Hello, welcome to Ashling's Adventures, the only news channel you need to get all your travel knowledge and tips from. I'm your host, Ashling, and on today's show, we're going to be discussing the rise in demand in staycations and virtual tours in the UK and China. In the first segment of today's news report, I'll be focusing on staycations in the UK and China. Due to the pandemic, outbound travel, which is travelling outside someone's home country, has become increasingly harder for everyone worldwide, particularly people in the UK. As the UK isn't in the EU anymore, UK citizens have had to abide by different rules when travelling into European countries now, such as requiring a visa if people want to stay in the EU for more than three months and going to a different queue at border control. These rules are similar to the ones experienced in long-haul countries out of the EU, such as the USA, where people would have to apply online for an ESTA before travelling. Because of these different rules, during the COVID-19 pandemic, it was almost impossible to travel between countries unless people had a valid reason to do so, such as work. This led to an increase in staycations in the UK. Staycations are when people holiday in their home country, also known as domestic travel. Three in five people, 62%, said that they are planning a main break staycation in the UK in 2021, which is up 50% from 2019, according to research conducted by Sky's Holiday Cottages via an online survey, then published in Wales Online in July 2021. The choice of utilising online surveys as a digital tool was clever as it meant that they could reach a lot of people they may not usually reach if conducting a physical survey. However, results may not be entirely accurate since people could have accessed it without being UK residents. Nevertheless, what do these results show? They show many people are finding it easier to travel within the UK for numerous reasons. This could be due to the range of transport options available, such as the train network, which covers the majority of the UK, or the fact that in 2020, 36.1 million people in the UK owned a car, according to the Statistics Research Department. Additionally, choosing to staycation in the UK means that tourists will not need to apply for a passport, as some can find it too expensive and too much hassle to apply. Though, according to the 2011 Stensis report, the report conducted in 2021 will not come out until 2022, these are the only reliable statistics at the moment, 17% of people in the UK did not hold a passport. Although the benefits of being an outbound tourist compared to being a domestic tourist are also very apparent. Writing for the Financial Times, Dalvin Strauss noted that usually the UK has a tourism trade deficit of £30.5 billion as most people from the UK prefer to holiday abroad. This could result from many factors, such as better weather abroad in countries such as Greece or because it can work out cheaper than a regular holiday in the UK. Analysis by which has found that increased demand for staycations has led to a steep rise in cost of accommodation in the UK. They have found that buying a self-catered accommodation holiday now costs 41% more than it did in 2019. They have also analysed that a week's stay in Guardia, Italy is quarter of the price compared to a similar seven-night stay in the Lake District UK. It could be argued that the rise in popularity of social media has been an influencing factor for the rise of staycations. Many social media tools, such as geotagging locations, encourage people to visit if they find it appealing. These areas will most likely be easy to get to if it's a staycation location, although this is also relevant for countries abroad and could encourage people to visit that country. Hashtags are also a popular digital tool that can have an influence in encouraging staycations and have played an increased role in the tourism sector. A Stackler study conducted in 2019 has found that 82% of people use Instagram as inspiration on where to travel to next. Using the search tool, keyword tool, at the time of research, which was October 2021, there were 
152,000 hashtags under Staycation UK and 323,000 under Staycation 2020. This can influence people into wanting to have a staycation, especially if it's trendy, as most people on social media want to follow the trends. However, it isn't advisable to rely on hashtags as anyone can use them, so they are an unreliable source of information. Additionally, people can post them at any date, so the total will also count previous posts from previous years. It's not very secure in measuring it accurately. It's not just the UK that's had a rise in staycations, so has China. During 2020, residents living in China had to adhere to strict lockdown restrictions, including a flight ban meaning they were not allowed to travel out of the country, similar to the UK's rules. The increase of staycation in China also bears similarity to the UK. According to Xinhua app, China will gain 3.3 million yuan from domestic tourism in 2021, equivalent to 3.7 trillion pounds. This is a significant increase of 48% compared to domestic tourism in 2020. China's hospitality sector has introduced many ways to encourage citizens to opt for staycations and help prevent the spread. For example, according to Heiwei, writing for China Daily, many hotels have taken advantage of digital tools by sending emails offering special packages. This includes the Hilton Hotel introducing Lunar New Year packages, which consist of themed items, events and special dinner bookings. This helps encourage people to staycation in China, as they would like to celebrate events such as Lunar New Year, but perhaps somewhere different out of their local vicinity to have the best experience. This can make staycationing during the pandemic an advantage. They have prevent the spread of COVID-19 due to people travelling less, thus meaning the virus cannot do so either. Staycations also have other benefits such as the fact that there's little travel time involved, which means that it's excellent for people on a busy schedule, as they can be as long or as short as one can fit in. There can also be disadvantages of staycations. For instance, many people feel confined to their surroundings, making them feel uninspired and unmotivated. This may create a desire to experience different cultures. Additionally, people may feel unable to switch off and not feel like they are truly on holiday and just merely in another part of their country. Work culture is a big issue in China as it is infamous for its 996 working hour system when employees are required to work from 9am to 9pm six days a week according to Nish Schwartz writing for Jinanegaji Global. Therefore, it is understandable why people would not feel as if they are truly on holiday and they would find it hard to switch off staycationing. It was mentioned previously how the Hilton was taking advantage of digital tools, specifically emails, to reach potential customers. Emails are a very effective way of marketing staycations. They can target emails with a domain and an address within the country, display specialised offers and let customers know about events relevant to their cultures. Though a disadvantage of emails as a digital tool is that it's easy for people to unsubscribe if they do not want to see it and that it can also get filtered into different inboxes such as a section only for promotions which can be easy to miss due to the large number of email promotions people receive. In China however, fewer than 250 million people from a country of 1.4 billion people use emails according to Xinhua Net published in 2021. Therefore it would be more beneficial for a business such as the Hilton to reach people with offers and promotion via social media in China such as WeChat which has over 900 million users as of June 2021 according to Business of App. How people get their travel inspiration can contribute to the rise of staycations. According to a news article in Dragon Tail International, Travel Daily International has researched in early 2021 into how people get their travel inspiration. The top source was photos from friends and family via WeChat and Weibo and other forms of social media in China. The second most popular source was through short video apps such as Douyin, known as TikTok in the UK. This is understandable as it is one of the most used social media platforms worldwide and therefore will be beneficial as it can reach a large number of people. It's also easy for brands to market themselves on there. 
This leads to many people seeing inspiration about staycations as other people will be posting about the ones that they are having, therefore influencing others to try it out. The least popular source was print media ads, which only amounted to 8% of the people's inspiration. This may have resulted from Chinese residents having to spend more time inside due to COVID-19 restrictions and therefore having more access to online media. Ultimately, this shows people are mainly influenced via online digital tools instead of physical tools, implying that digital is the way forward in marketing due to the amount of influence it holds and is incredibly influential for staycations. Speaking to The Independent, Lobu, who represents 750 travel agencies, suggested that outbound tourism will complement domestic tourism due to the simple fact that people in the UK have spent the past 18 months discovering what's on their doorsteps due to COVID-19 lockdowns and the travel restrictions that were put in place. Thus, a combination of both outbound and domestic travel will ensure the staycation market will stay sustainable going forward. Overall, there are many benefits to having a staycation, no matter what country someone lives in as evidenced by the deep dive into staycations in China and the UK. The main benefit of staycations is that they put money back into the economy, thus creating and keeping jobs. According to research by the bank Barclays, £31 billion will be put into the economy in the UK because of staycations. However, the main disadvantage is that people want to travel abroad as it can be cheaper and want to experience different cultures and learn of the world, as evidenced by the number of outbound tourists from the UK and China. In 2019, before the COVID-19 pandemic, 93.3 million visits were overseas trips from UK residents. According to the Office of National Statistics, around 154.63 million were outbound tourists from China, according to Travel China Guide. Statistics by Visit Britain showed that in 2019 there were 46.4 million domestic tourists in the UK and 6.006 million domestic tourists in China, according to Travel China Guide in 2019. Although, we can infer that staycations will be here to stay and will not be going anywhere soon. Looking at 2019 statistics for this section shows that even before the pandemic, staycations were quite popular. During the pandemic, they increased, as evidenced before, and a steady rise can be predicted for staycations for the future, though it may dip for a while after normal ease of travel resumes to what it was. Overall, using digital tools for staycations, whether it be on where to go for or for companies to market themselves, are beneficial in numerous ways that have been explored. It can be inferred that digital tools will only continue to rise in popularity because of how many people have internet access. The main disadvantage will, some pe- will be that some people will not have access to the internet. Whether this be the silent generation, which are people born in 1925 through to 1945, who may not be well versed in using the internet, or people living in developing countries. For example, in 2021, the countries with the least internet access are North Korea at 0%, Eritrea at 6.9% and South Sudan at 8%, based on statistics published by Joseph Johnson or Statista. It can be inferred that in the future, as access to the internet grows globally, so will judicial tools. Judicial tools are not only beneficial for the rise in staycation, but they are also suitable for virtual travel. Virtual travel is a simulation of an attraction or place which appears through photos or videos. Often the audience can navigate around as they would like, when they would like and where they would like. They can have many advantages, for instance they're often easy to access if there is an attraction one would like to visit. If it is searched for and someone goes on the website, chances are there will be a virtual tour available. Research by Statista conducted in 2020, published in 2021, found that 97% of people in the UK, 70.4% of people in China have access to the internet, therefore showing that the large majority can access the internet and take part in any type of virtual travel. 
Additionally, they are more environmentally friendly as people do not even need to leave their home to travel there. According to Jocelyn Tipperley, writing for the BBC in 2020, the aviation industry was responsible for around 5% of global warming. This is a considerable amount, considering that only a small percentage of the world are frequent flyers. In the UK alone, around 12 to 15% are frequent flyers. In 2020, when many flights came to a standstill, global emissions dropped by 6.4%, according to data published on daily fuel emissions through an article by Nature, published by Jeff Tollison in 2021. This shows how much better for the environment choosing not to fly is, how physical tourism declined, and why virtual tourism is increasing. Another advantage of virtual travel is that it's so much easier to visit an attraction or place anywhere in the world, as there are no physical boundaries, such as the mode of transport to travel there, just as long as people have a device that connects to Wi-Fi. In the book, Travel, Tourism, Hospitality, Global Dynamics, written by Jennifer Raga in 2019, she states, Virtual reality enables these travellers to feel their destination and experience the beauty through the eyes of tourists who already visited the location. This suggests that travellers can understand and experience different perspectives of the world, just like someone else who has visited the destination, but from the comfort of their own home. Therefore, being another reason as to why virtual travel is rising. However, there can be disadvantages of virtual travel too. One obvious disadvantage is that it can never beat the real thing. Many people will find that seeing something through a computer screen cannot compare with the real experience. Another disadvantage is that technology can sometimes be faulty. For example, if watching a live virtual tour, perhaps the sound or camera may not be working. Very recently, on Monday the 4th of October 2021, Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram all crashed. As a result of this, it is estimated by the BBC that they lost £4.4 billion in just six hours these sites went down. These sites are some of the most popular in the world, with Facebook having 2.89 billion users worldwide as of 2021, according to Sister. This shows us that even the most popular sites with a vast technical team behind them can stop working. Therefore, a tour with a more minor team behind them is even more likely to have technical issues. Now that we know what virtual tours are, I'll be discussing the type of virtual tours available for these tours. 360 tours are when a place or attraction has a 360 view for the user to navigate through and explore within their own time. They can often be in the form of a video where the user can move around as the images move over the screen. People can also take 360 tours for a device called a virtual reality headset, which is something people wear over the head with a screen or a device displaying a 360 tour. It is very popular with attractions such as museums and famous landmarks such as the London Bridge. It is interactive, encouraging interest and can even be digitised with historical attractions to show what they look like in the past. Furthermore, it is relatively easy for companies to create. Google has a digital tool called Talk Creator which allows users to upload their own 360 photos which can be taken on a smartphone or a chosen location from Google Maps which is already a 360 photo. They can then add image overlays of information about the location on top. This means that it can be cheap for anyone to create if they have a mobile device and tourist attractions will most likely have the resources to create one. Additionally, VR headsets can also be cheap for companies to obtain as long as they can afford the devices that show the tour on Creator. More professional VR headsets are available on the market, but even the cheapest ones do the job well enough. An advantage of 360 tours is that they can save time. For example, if someone living in Beijing, China wanted to visit Edinburgh Castle in Scotland, then the average flight time would take around 13 hours according to precarious flight time calculator. They would then need to have to adjust to time differences, find their accommodation and get adjusted. Whereas with a virtual tour, they can do it whenever they want for little to no money. 
360 tours are also beneficial for people that have autism. People with autism can find it hard to cope with a new environment and sometimes like to explore a place before visiting in real life to get prepared, based on facts published by the NHS. Therefore, it's understandable how 360 tours can be beneficial towards helping people with autism explore the world. One disadvantage of 360 tours is that you can have limited information. For instance, if taking a 360 tour in a museum, users may not be able to read all the information on the boards in the physical museum if they have not uploaded the entirety of information online. Users will also not be able to see everything up close, which can be less interesting than physically seeing it. Based on statistics, however, this disadvantage does not seem to be very effective. Research conducted by Christine Parley in 2021 found that two in three people, 67%, would like to see more 360 tours. In addition to this, research by Medium in 2029 stated that having a virtual 360 tour on an attraction's website increased sales by 134% between 18 to 34-year-olds. Applying this statistic to a country like China, one might infer that 360 tours will continue to gain popularity. As more areas in China continue to gain internet access, this statistic may increase. It can be inferred that based on evidence provided, the rise of 360 tours will continue to gain popularity and many tourist attraction websites will have them. Live tours are when someone is being recorded live and given a tour of an attraction. An example of a live tour is the House of Lubokovich in Prague, Czechia, where every Sunday William Lubokovich gives a live tour of the grounds for free. Many people can feel as though this experience is more personal than a 360 tour, as there is often the option to add questions into a chat box for the tour guide to answer. It has become prevalent for tourists in China in particular. For example, Heiwei writing for China Daily in May 2021 said that London's Natural History Museum broadcast in January 2021 attracted 100,000 Chinese visitors within the first minute. In the UK, according to the virtual travel company, they found out that 90% of businesses say that live tours impact increasing marketing efforts during COVID-19. This shows the rise in popularity that these live tours have, especially when compared to pre-pandemic figures. In 2019, the Louvre only had 14 million paid and free physical visits, where in 2020, they had 10 million online visits in only two months, according to Travel Review. However, one disadvantage of live tours when it comes to users worldwide having access is that they may not be translated for their language. This is a disadvantage as they may not be able to understand what the guide is saying and it cannot be translated via an online translator tool as they would need to have the text tour guide speaks in order to do so. Though the museum could hire a translator, they would need to have enough demand for that specific country to make it worthwhile. Another advantage of live tours would be that they are especially suited for people with disabilities. Some places, such as historic sites like Hadrian's Wall, do not have disabled access or cater to all people with hidden or physical disabilities. Therefore, they may feel more included and able to participate in gaining knowledge of attractions they may not have access to beforehand. Additionally, the attraction would need someone to operate the camera whilst the tour guide is conducting these virtual tours, but this should not be an issue as they already have employees or volunteers. Interactive maps, such as Google Maps, are another popular way of virtual travel for people in the UK. They have lots of features such as 360 street view and the fact that users can create specialised maps for others to look at, such as walking tours or family attractions in the area, to be more specific. Anyone can make a public map with specific interest points via Google Maps. 
This can be both an advantage as well as a disadvantage. For instance, it is an advantage because users can explore a map that interests them, made by a like-minded individual. However, this can also be a disadvantage because maps can be made by random people who may not have had the best intentions in mind. Therefore, it could be a waste of time if the map is misleading. Google Maps have also been banned in China since 2010. Therefore, they have to use a different type of interactive map service as there is no way for people in China to access it unless they use a VPN. This stands for Virtual Private Network, which will allow them to bypass internet restrictions as it places the IP address in a different country, though this can be expensive. In general, another interactive map advantage is having different layers such as street view, satellite and terrain. This can be beneficial because it caters to users' wants and needs, such as finding finding a particular type of map easier to look at. Satellite and street view imagery from interactive maps also show the real place and can help enhance the experience. It's like what the destination would be like if the user were physically there. A disadvantage is that it can be very complex, challenging and costly for companies to create using their own software. However, there are plenty of free interactive map designers online, such as mapme.com. There can also be privacy issues associated with interactive maps, which could equal data breaches if not handled most effectively. According to the gov.uk website, so far in 2021, 4 in 10 businesses, 32%, have reported a data breach. This can make consumers less likely to explore an interactive map if it means they have to log in or share location data. Companies can take steps to prevent this from happening as much as possible though, such as educating their employees and securing computer systems. Overall, it is evident that virtual traveling has risen in the UK and China over the past year due to factors such as the COVID-19 pandemic. It has more advantages than disadvantages, with ease of access for most people being one of the most significant advantages. However, this does not escape the biggest disadvantage of the fact that nothing can beat the real attraction. To conclude, the impact virtual tools will have in the future will most likely be determined by the ever-growing evolution of technology and one's interest to reduce their carbon footprint for the environment. Similarly, the way travel inspiration only used to be accessible in print form, but is now largely influenced by technology, tells us that technological tools will encourage travellers to travel in some form. In the last segment of today's podcast, I'm going to be answering some questions from some listeners. Hi, I have a question. What research did you undertake to create your news report? And what sources did you find useful and why? That's a really good question. To create my news report, I conducted various types of research. For instance, I listened to some podcast styles as well as watched some vodcasts. I did look at presenting it in a social media story style form. However, I don't feel like this style would be best for me as I don't frequently use social media. From there on, I decided conducting a news report in the style of a vodcast would be best for me as I like its visual aspect and felt as though it would allow me to be more creative, like showing survey results and the comparisons. Then followed by creating a podcast as my second choice as I like the audio aspect. I then read the book Travel, Tourism and Hospitality, Global Dynamics by Jay Rager, which was useful to me as it's an excellent, reliable academic source. It's also very recent, which is even better, as it allowed me to understand the industry better in the present day. Additionally, I also used official websites such as gov.uk, 
Office for National Statistics and others, which were beneficial as I could get the most recent and reliable statistics possible from official websites so their research would be conducted in the most accurate and fair way possible. Furthermore, I also researched by looking at online news articles such as the BBC, The Independent and Wales Online. These were useful in helping me create my news report as they included lots of specialist insight and representatives such as Simon Calder, who is well known in the tourism industry. I found it challenging to research information about China as I found it hard to search for their official statistics for certain things, such as it was harder to find official government published statistics unlike what I could do with the UK. I've also completed a full list of references that I use in my research, which I have attached separately and a transcript in case anyone was curious and wanted to read more. Hi, my question is, how did you identify your podcast as best suited to the tourism industry? What research influenced your choice? Another good question. I chose to do a vodcast originally as my chosen digital output for various reasons. According to Global Media Insight, YouTube videos are very popular, with over 2.3 billion people using YouTube once a month in 2021, which was another influencing factor. Vodcasts are also a good way to capture and keep people's interest as they're watching something on the screen at all times, which is engaging. Recently, researchers at the Technical University of Denmark found that globally, people's attention spans are narrowing. Therefore, people can only stay focused on certain things for a shorter time. This told me that I needed to make my vodcast as engaging as possible with all my resources. So I originally planned to include some clips of me comparing different holiday prices, conducting a survey and mixing up clips of myself and other videos. I also studied media studies at A-level, so I had experience in creating similar videos. I also watch a lot of travel channels that post on YouTube, such as Lexi Limitless, the youngest person to travel to every country in the world, Eva Zubach, who explores countries that have a dangerous reputation, The Honest Guide, who shares tips about travelling the Czech Republic, and Bold and Bankrupt, who films himself talking to locals in places such as Russia. I feel that by watching these people, they inspired me to create a vodcast, and the fact that I can watch their editing techniques and how they engage their audience and try and mimic some aspects. However, the biggest challenge for me was finding free resources, such as a good video editor. I tried a lot of editors on my laptop, but all of them would result in my laptop overheating and turning off, even when I tried online editors. I then tried to make a vodcast on my phone, however it was challenging because the quality wasn't very good and there was a watermark on every app I used. It was also very hard to download all the clips I wanted to use with my phone, as it took up a lot of storage. I could also not use the library computers in my town, as I needed to record audio, and I could not do that there. Therefore, I decided to choose a podcast via Anchor, which is a podcast creator. In a survey conducted by Ofcom in 2021, it was found that 50% of people surveyed listen to podcasts, which suggests that they are very popular for various reasons. During my gap year, I had my own podcast show where I gained over 300 listeners, which reassured me when it came to re-recording my digital output. There are also plenty of travel-related podcasts that I listen to, such as The Travel Diaries, 
Zero to Travel and the Thoughtful Travel podcast. Listen to these help me gain a better understanding of how to create an engaging podcast conversation. I also thought as though creating a podcast could be very beneficial, especially for a new support about tourism, as people can listen on the go with no Wi-Fi needed, just as long as they download it first. The biggest challenge with my podcast was fitting everything into the 30-minute time limit. In the end, I had to cut some parts out, such as my interviews, visual comparisons and survey results. When I cut these out, my podcast was still over the time limit, so I had to decide on how to make it shorter. I tried various ways, such as talking faster and removing some paragraphs that weren't very strong. I also found it challenging to keep people entertained, especially because I had to remove previous things. To combat this... I tried sometimes to change my tone of voice and add some music to give a small break from talking. An advantage to choosing a podcast was that I found it easier to not stutter as much as I did on my original vodcast, which I believe the audience would find harder to understand at some points. Additionally, another benefit to creating a podcast is that it's very accessible and can be accessed on any mobile device, whether that be to create one or to listen to one. Overall, I feel happy with choosing a podcast as my final chosen digital. And that's all for today, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope to catch you next time on Ashling's Adventures. Bye.